Hello and welcome to the School Mentor Podcast. My name is Miff Martinek and I am your host. Now this is episode four and today we are going to talk about common sense and well-being. Now the reason I've picked this topic is because it's a challenge that I see in schools all the time. And it's not because people are lacking in common sense in school. But what's happened is when we think about well-being, picture your school for a moment. What is in place? There's a whole he- list of things, I bet. There are safeguarding procedures. There are concerns about union action. There may be uh, an awareness of needing a trauma-informed practice and approach. There's maybe the mental health concerns that we have about our teenagers and our young people in school. When we think about this layer on layer of complexity around well-being, it makes us falter and it results in people feeling fearful and lacking confidence in what they can do to help. And what happens in that scenario is when as soon as we're, we're fearful, we tend to not take any action at all. We tend to get stuck in that moment Uh, worrying about doing the wrong thing and therefore not doing anything at all. Now in this podcast what I want to look at is an alternative to feeling stuck and feeling like you maybe aren't empowered to support the people around you, to support your pupils, your students or to support your peers and other members of staff. And the alternative that I would like to talk about Um, is founded in common sense. Now, as if you've been listening to the other other podcasts, I am not a medical professional, and I think that that's a brilliant thing when it comes to mental well-being. Um, I listened to a fantastic conversation recently that was talking about how um, one of the the biggest um, influx of of people coming in through A&E is due to uh, traffic accidents. And this podcast was highlighting that traffic accidents aren't dealt with by doctors in the forefront. They don't, it's not doctors that are out there trying to reduce traffic accidents. It's society. And society are doing that. These non-medical professionals, the police are enforcing um, speed limitations. Your, if, if I drive through my local villages, you can see all these signs, right, that the children have made that live there saying, please slow down, my pets are here, we're out playing. Those are the signs that are having an impact. Those, that is how we are addressing um, this big challenge of people being injured in car accidents. So it's a similar approach. And, and that that's because, that's using common sense, right, where we know that People drive fast because they're not really thinking about it. And if we can get people to start thinking about the 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 pedestrians that they might hit on the road or the accidents they might get into and make it more personal, then they will be able to take more action and be more mindful in that moment when they're driving along that, that road at the wrong speed. So how can we apply this approach to mental health? And... When we start to think about it, it has to come back to common sense. Because common sense tells us two things when it comes to helping someone with their mental well-being. The first thing that it tells us is that it's easier 
to deal with a problem that is small than a problem that is big. Okay, we all know that when a problem is <clears throat> small, that it's just one issue, that that is something that most of us can handle. And if we avoid letting that problem grow or snowball, then we don't have um, as much to deal with. It's less daunting. We are all much more capable of dealing with small problems. And the other thing that common sense tells us is that we cannot solve a problem that we don't understand. If you don't understand what is going on with somebody, you can see that they're being they're affected by something that's happening in their lives, in their minds, but you don't really understand it, then any help that you throw towards them, any help or compassion that you're push, putting their way won't hit the mark because you don't understand the problem. And that's just common sense, right? So where does that lead us? Knowing those two things, it leads us to maybe a slightly uncomfortable truth, which is we have to start having conversations a little bit sooner when we see people are struggling. We need to ask sooner and more effectively what is going on so that we can understand how to help somebody. Now, when I deliver training and I talk about this topic, I describe a gorge. And if you can picture this in your mind, um, you want to picture the person that you want to help on one side of the gorge. Now, they might be at the top um, and at the top of the gorge, they're feeling OK. They're feeling all right. And there's a there's a rope bridge across to where you're standing on the other side. But they might not be feeling great. And if they're not walking across the, the, that rope bridge in your mind, then they, the likelihood is, is that they aren't feeling great. They might, be, they might have slid down the gorge a little bit. If you want to help them, if you want to throw them a rope so that they can tarzan their way across to your side and you can scoop them up and help them and find solutions to their problems, you have to know how far down that gorge they are. You have to know whether they are struggling because something that's happened this week and so it's a little problem you have to know whether it's something that is more ingrained more more of an emotional um trauma that's happening on the inside um you have to be have the tools to identify where they are because otherwise if you're throwing a rope across you might be doing it with the best of intentions, but you're going to miss them. You're going to throw across this offer of help and these solutions to a problem that aren't at the right uh, height in that gorge. So you will miss the person and you will not be able to be effective when you're helping them. So how do we go about identifying where somebody is in their gorge and I always I always picture this gorge because I think it's a really good picture because most people have have uh, points in their lives where they're low down on the gorge they might be feeling really low um, to the point of feeling depressed um, anxious perhaps even suicidal perhaps feeling that they really cannot cope or they might just be having 
a smaller challenge, which is they just slip down a little bit in that gorge. It's a bit rocky and they've slipped down a little bit. And you know, and unless we know where they are in that, we can't help them up the other side. And it is a challenge to get back up the other side, right? We're not taking that away from and We're not taking that away from it being difficult to approach and manage mental well-being. But what I am saying is that we can be much more effective when we're supporting other people. So here are some questions and some thoughts I'd like you to try when you are thinking about supporting somebody else with their well-being. And I want you to think about two things. I talk about two particular tools. One of them is asking really effective questions. And the second is to always back that up with empathy. So it sounds a little bit like this. So your questions might be, and I, I want you to, to think about these questions, maybe try them on for size, and then you can tweak and alter them, or you can say, no, that one doesn't fit how I relate, but you know, I can think of something else. But it might be that you need to ask, what's the hardest part of whatever you're going through at the moment? When you start to get someone to open up, what are you going through? What are you experiencing at the moment? What's happening in your life at the moment? And what's the hardest part? How is it affecting you? Might be a great question to get them to think and open up about what impact the challenge that they're facing is having in their life. How bad does it get? That might be that extra step down in that gorge. How bad does it get? Then you can start to pinpoint where they are so you can begin to help them. And maybe something like, are you coping? Now, these are all uncomfortable questions to ask, but they are brave questions that need to be asked if we are going to understand where somebody is so that we can help them. Remember that the alternative to doing this is to fire solutions across that gorge that may land all over the place, this kind of spray and pray approach, and it probably won't hit the mark for them unless you understand what's going on. So perhaps you go through these questions and you understand that somebody is feeling incredibly isolated and lonely. Great, you now know what the problem is and simply by going through this process, guys, you're going to have a massive impact on them feeling isolated, lonely, anxious. Simply by having these questions in your back pocket and using them, you're going to make someone feel more seen, more heard. And that's a that's a will go a long way to helping them feel better in their lives. But what it also does is you now know what the real problem is. We're not treating symptoms we're understanding a cause here aren't we so if we know that loneliness is a problem then we can start to identify solutions that will actually fit for that person and when we look at those solutions and this is a whole separate podcast but when we start to look at those solutions we want to try and marry what they actually want and what they feel is achievable to with what's available um, so we don't want to start just spouting off uh, suggestions based on our experience. We want to understand their experience so they can start choosing what actions 
that want to take. But that first step that you must do is understand where they are in their gorge so that you can actually help them with whatever it is that they are facing and you aren't missing the mark with your with your well-intended support. Now the the last piece that and I've mentioned it briefly is empathy. And the reason I mention it um, and I say this in training is is not because I don't think people have it, is because quite often when we are in an uncomfortable conversation, we can forget to show it. Okay, so when we think about showing empathy, it comes through in our body language. Now, I always remember training um, a, a pupil who was, he was on the rugby team and he was about six or four and absolutely built this lad was, I mean, he was something else, but he was, he could be a scary looking guy to chat to and you wouldn't want to open up to him, particularly if you're thinking about, this was a pupil peer mentoring program. You think about those, um, you know, year seven, year eight pupils, um, tiny, standing next to this this guy and going, I don't really want to share my problems with you. But my God, did he have an amazing way of softening his features, of softening his body language, of saying, I am so sorry that you are going through this and I'm here for you. And this is, this sounds really difficult. This sounds really tough. And I want to see if I can help you even just by listening. And it was so powerful watching this young man just be there for his mentee, just be there for the person that he was supporting, his friends as well. And he was able to, to overcome, you know, real facts about who he was, his size, his, his presence. And he was able to use his heart and really connects with the people around him because when you use empathy and you remember to just slow down and be there with someone just say I'm so sorry that you're going through this when you do that first you build really strong connections you remove any sense of it being an interview and an interrogation and you just connect as a human being in school, we can sometimes be really hesitant to show that vulnerability and to build those connections first. But if you want to get the best out of your peers and if you want to get the best out of your pupils and your students, which I'm assuming you do if this podcast has piqued your interest, then empathy is one of the best tools in your toolkit. So that's what I've got for you today. Now, I hope that it's been a useful little soundbite to give you some confidence to just apply your common sense to the conversations that you're having when you can see someone is struggling and to just be that little bit of encouragement to take bravery with you when you are with your peers, when you're with your pupils, your students, and using that common sense and that care that you have to build stronger connections and to get better results 
in your working life, in the working life of others, in the studying life of others. So I hope that's been helpful. If you want to look at more resources, you want to reach out to me, you can do everything through the website. It's this-is-me.uk. But take away some of these thoughts, take away um, my encouragement for you to be brave in the conversations that you're having, to get into those uncomfortable conversations and know that by showing up and offering that listening ear, that um, connection to someone, that you will be having a massively good impact in their lives. So for now, that's it. That's goodbye from me. And hopefully you will tune in next week and I will chat to you then. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the School Mentor Podcast. We hope you're leaving today's episode feeling inspired to create a stronger, more connected school community. To access more resources, be sure to visit our website at this-is-me.uk. It would mean the world to us if you subscribed, rated and reviewed our podcast and shared it with your fellow educators. Until next time, thank you for inspiring, mentoring and changing the lives of the young people in your community.